Hello, everyone. Welcome to Random Encounter 269 or 269. This is an emergency episode. It seems like we have these every now and then for when there is a, a massive game that comes out and the timing isn't quite right for recording an episode of Random Encounter. Tears of the Kingdom, Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom came out uh, a few days ago and uh, Random was coming out that Monday. So it was going to be a real tight time frame. So if you listen to the last episode, Mike and I talked about our initial impressions of Tears of the Kingdom. Um, and we figured, you know what, uh, let's do an emergency episode later in the week after we've, we've played some of the game and after we're deep into the game, uh, so we can talk about, uh, more things and we assemble a panel of people who've been playing all week. Uh, and, uh, yeah, my initial thought was, okay, you know, by Saturday, everyone's going to be really deep into the game and we're going to get a real sense of like the scale of the game. I've been playing it nonstop for a week and I have no goddamn clue what the scale of this game is. I'm scratching <laughs> the surface and it's driving me crazy. Cause I'm like, how much more can there be? It turns out there can be a lot more. Um, so let's introduce the panel today. So first up, we have our fearless leader, Mike Salvato, who loves Breath of the Wild. I sure do. Yep. And we have Joshua Lindquist, who is the closest thing to a Zelda professional player there is, and who is also a lover of a Breath of the Wild. Yep, that's true also. Hi. Yep. We have Izzy Parsons, who loved Breath of the Wild, but isn't their favorite Zelda game in the world. True. And we have Des Miller, who is a sad, sad, sad man with no joy in his heart. <laughs> I am a hipster. It comes from being in the PNW. Um, if you had not gotten that, Des is, shall we call Des a Breath of the Wild skeptic? Uh, <laughs> well, I, I can I can defend myself later. Okay. Um, and as for me, uh, I'm John O'Logan, and I love Breath of the Wild. I played it uh, when I first got my Switch. It was... I. It was a couple of months after it came out. I got my parents gave me a switch for Christmas uh, with a copy of Breath of the Wild. I dove into it. I have heard I had heard so much about it, uh, and I just adored it. I mean, I love Zelda. I love Zelda games, uh, and this was such a departure from uh, where Zelda was in the past, while still remaining true to its roots. In my opinion, opinions vary on that. Uh, it seems that many people adore Breath of the Wild, and Others don't. Um, and it will be interesting to see if this game, uh, this new game, addresses some of those complaints. So Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is a direct sequel from Breath of the Wild. So end of the Breath of the Wild. And then a few months, maybe years later, uh, I think it's a few years later, we have uh, Hyrule is slowly start. Oh, by the way, this is going to be loaded with spoilers for both Breath of the Wild <laughs> and Tears of the Kingdom. Um, probably not late game because like I said, this game is very big and I haven't even remotely gotten there yet. So I'm going to be avoiding like detailed end game spoilers, but Breath of the Wild, we've all played Breath of the Wild. So yeah, at the end of it, uh, you've beaten the Calamity Ganon, uh, Zelda is rescued and her and Link go out on a quest to restore the kingdom. And in this, at the beginning of the game, you are doing just that. Uh, Hyrule is seemingly recovering. There are new settlements springing up. Uh, new signs of life everywhere. A, a new hopeful spirit has taken the land. And then that hopeful spirit is absolutely crushed when uh, Link and Zelda go splunking into the basement of Hyrule Castle. And they discover, uh, as I described him, Thirsty Ganon uh, in the sense that he is completely dehydrated. And uh, you wake him up and uh, Zelda mysteriously, she falls and disappears Link attacks uh, attacks with the Master Sword, and the Master Sword is it looks like it 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 gets it rots, and all of your health, uh, all of your health, your stamina, everything gets knocked out, 
And uh, yeah, your arm also gets all screwed up. You awake an uh, indeterminate ma- amount of time later on a island in the sky, and your arm has been replaced with what looks to be uh, a, 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 a something very similar to the Sheikah slate, but a, a different a different race, I guess. So uh, the the apple to the Sheikah's PC. Um, and, uh, I thought you'd like that, Mike. Um, and yeah, and then you, you go out and you are on this giant island in the sky and, uh, you have to explore it, rediscover the mechanics, uh, discover your new powers of which you have many. And yeah, again, rescue Zelda and save Hyrule. So folks, uh, let's, let's, here's how we're going to structure this episode. I, Normally, I make copious notes. Like, I do a lot of show notes, so I have all the points I want to hit, all the things I want to discuss. In the spirit of Tears of the Kingdom, Breath of the Wild, I figured we would do this very much in the same style, which is I'm going to talk to each of you about your initial impression of the game, and then that's going to be like a map marker that we're going to put down, and then we're just going to wander around and be distracted by all the sights and sounds and just kind of, you know, just move around and talk about about the game in general. Um, So I think we will start with Josh. Josh... What do you make of Tears of the Kingdom after having played it for one week? Oh, I love it. Um, and like you said, I feel like I've barely started playing. I think I've played a little over 30 hours, and it feels like I spend an hour and all I did is look at a mountain. And <laughs> um, <laughs> There are places on the map that I decided like three or four days ago I wanted to go check out that are not even far away from where I'm at and I still haven't made it there because I keep getting distracted and going somewhere else. Yeah. I, I called in the last, in the last episode of random, I called link the most distractible man in Hyrule, which is very true. Uh, but no, it's um, like my, my initial thought, uh, you were just talking about the prologue. Um, I was surprised there was one mm-hmm. that um, uh, like we knew from all the trailers that they found Ganondorf underground and all of that. But I, I went into the game kind of assuming I was just going to wake up on the Sky Island and not know who I was or where I was, and I'd have to piece all that back together again, or mm. there'd be a cutscene after an hour or two telling me what had happened. And so I was surprised when they just dropped me into a cutscene at the very beginning, uh, and then Metroided me, <laughs> as it were. Yeah. Yeah, how, did I, how did I say in the last episode? You get alicarded in the first couple of minutes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I was, I was very surprised. I don't know that Zelda's ever really done that before. Yeah. Usually Link just kind of wakes up and you just kind of go. Um, mm-hmm. and, and this was not that, uh, so that was already just a surprise on its own. But, uh, I mean, it surprised me how much they were able to hide. Yeah, me too. Uh, absolutely. Like I just, I was really not expecting a lot of what the game has ended up having, um, even following everything they told us up front. But yeah, I feel like I I kind of I kind of rushed to get into it and finished up the starting area and then since then I've just been repeatedly shocked and uh at a loss for words even how to describe it. It's just you just I, I've barely left Central Hyrule. Like it's the very so, beginning. I I've yep. I've I made one detour off to advance the story a little bit, but otherwise I just keep coming back and finding more and more and more right in the middle of the map. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I can appreciate where you're coming from, literally in this case. Um, uh, Mike, how about you? What, what are your initial thoughts about the game? I, I like Josh's point about I'm surprised how much they hid because 
you know, we talked about it a bit before it came out that they really weren't promoting this game much at all until that uh, like playthrough a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. It was just like it was coming in the future. Yeah, it's coming, and it's like they're not talking much about it. And the fact that I mean, we can talk about the the other map, right? I mean, we, we oh, said yeah. there's spoilers, and you learn about it early on anyway. But the fact that there's a third, there's an entire third map that they never spoke about mm-hmm. um, is probably one of the biggest shocks to me. Because and and also, I feel like the the sky map um, is technically bigger than they let on because it sounded like it's like yeah, it's it's there. Like I know there's a lot of empty space between things, but I don't know. It's just the the base of Hyrule was so giant in Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. The idea that that is all still here and there are two other maps, um, to say nothing about all the things you can do in them now, is yeah. just staggering. I agree. I mean, when I first went underground, uh, because that's that's part of the thing, there's the reason why you were investigating the basement of Hyrule Castle is there's a there's a chasm, there's a uh, with gloom, and it's like this this red kind of vapor uh, that's poisoning people and you're trying to investigate this and once Hyrule Castle uh, once once uh, thirsty Ganondorf uh, attacks you uh, the castle takes off from its foundations um, and chasms appear in the ground and these chasms lead to an entire underground map and when I first went down to my first one my thought was okay well this is clearly going to be like little sections like a little almost like little isolated areas yes. underneath the map. And exactly. then eventually I was like, oh, shit. no, this is the same size as Hyrule. Yeah, I was about to say the same thing. I thought it was just a cave. I even, I got into a mount, I found like a mountain and I was like, oh, this is clearly where this map ends. This cave ends here. <laughs> but yeah. I just didn't go far enough to get around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I was shocked when I realized it was th- the whole game again. Izzy, uh, what are your initial impressions? And please share with us your your sad story. Okay, uh, I'll start with the fact, while it's still fresh on my brain, is talking about the intro and how there is this intro. I think it's incredibly classy when games just go right into the game. No menu, no nothing. Just you start up the game, you go into the game. I mm-hmm. love that. So I'm totally down for the fact they did that with this game. And that whole intro just had me more engaged than I expected to be right from the get-go. I was a little, I was expecting to immediately be overwhelmed by like all the choices of things I had to do, which I still kind of got later on, but I got to have that like pull into the game before getting overwhelmed by this open world. Mm-hmm. Love that. Love that touch. Thought it was very smart on their part. Um, so yeah, uh, Zelda killed my Switch. <laughs> oh God. So, I mean... At least I've gotten to play around 30 hours like Josh, but um, a my the fan on my Switch has been going for like a year or two now. I've even like stopped taking Switch games to review just in case it died while I was um, playing them. But <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I had to play Zelda, of course. So of course, yeah. But it was already the signs were already there for future connect or future redeemed when I was playing that. Um, that the fan was getting real bad, but I just went for Zelda anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. And then yesterday, the fan just stopped blowing completely, and I can only play for like 15 minutes before it crashes from overheating, and I don't want to do that too many times mm-hmm. and totally kill it. So uh, I think I'm going to have to buy a new Switch to keep playing, Ugh. which probably worth it because 
I love this game. <laughs> this, this was Nintendo's plan all along. <laughs> yeah. Just burnt out switches everywhere. Like we were saying earlier, uh, the best, I think the best proof that Nintendo actually was planning on releasing either a Switch Pro or a Switch 2 at some point uh, was Tears of the Kingdom or is Tears of the Kingdom. It, I am impressed with how well it runs and like the draw distance stuff, despite being on uh, the original hardware, still the original Switch. Like, yeah how far you could see is ridiculous. Um, but yeah, so I guess my actual initial impressions though, um, I'm really loving the game more than I expected to. And to a level that's making me like breath of the wild less mm. because this just feels like everything I wanted that game to be and everything that kind of disappointed me when I played that, but wasn't that big of a deal now feels like a bigger deal when I realized this game has that, or this game does that or <laughs> That made- it almost makes Breath of the Wild feel like a tech demo to me, but, you know, a very big, expansive, good tech demo still. But <laughs> that makes complete sense to me. Yeah. If I can interject one thing, I don't think I mentioned this in our last podcast, but um, I meant I did mention in the last podcast that I read uh, Alana's review, uh, Alana, formerly of RPG fan, currently of Nintendo Life. And one thing she said in there really stuck with me where she what she had the same thought as you where she's like, you know, I didn't think it was possible that a game could come out to make breath of the wild. Basically it looked like a proof of concept, but here we are. Mm. Um, so I think you're onto something there. Yeah. So I guess I, that's to say that this game is great. I've been enjoying every moment with it and I, it feels like what I, everything I was missing from breath of the wild is here. And I love that. And I'm happy to be talking about it since I can't play it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, that makes me so sad. Um, Yeah, because I mean, it it does genuinely make me sad because I'm excited to talk about this with all of you, but I'm also slightly resenting the fact that I have to sit here and talk to all of you instead of playing Tears of the Kingdom. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, now let's talk to uh, our gloomy Gus here. Oh Uh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I (laughs) like... Des, (laughs) hello. I am like the... Thirsty Ganon, just covered in gloom. Uh, actually, uh, I guess my experience with the game is that I guess I should start with uh, Breath of the Wild and why I'm not the biggest fan of it. Like, I don't hate it, but definitely, you know, six years ago, I was probably uh, very annoying to talk to about it. Um, but so back back then when it came out, it's I was essentially just beaten over the head constantly with this is the greatest game of all time. I've never played anything like this. It's amazing nothing can ever come close. And me being born in the Pacific Northwest, I've got this like innate hipster blood in me that if someone's like, this is the best thing ever, my initial gut reaction is like, well, no, it's not. And then it's also vice versa. Like if someone says, this is the worst thing ever, it's well, it can't be that bad. Mm -hmm. So it's this weird, like inner contrarian thing. And I kind of let it fuel me for a long time. But I think the main thing with Breath of the Wild to me is that it didn't really feel like a Zelda game to me. I know a lot of people said that it it kind of felt like, you know, what the very first Zelda was, this kind of vast, open, uh, go anywhere, kind of do anything, but, you know, you're kind of blocked off um, in certain areas. But for me, like, my Zelda in my head is like A Link to the Past, Ocarina of Time, and Majora's Mask. So I'm like very much around that particular era. And so with Breath of the Wild not having, like, bespoke dungeons or all these particular like tools that you use specifically in said dungeon it just kind of felt like i don't know it just it didn't feel like zelda to me so i didn't really like it but over time 
I started to appreciate it more, especially as I played games that were like very inspired by or quote unquote ripped off uh, Breath of the Wild, like Genshin Impact and Elden Ring. And so I kind of got this like open world rehabilitation (laughs) and I was able to kind of appreciate Breath of the Wild a little bit more at a distance. I still don't really want to play it because it doesn't really feel like Zelda to me. But Tears of the Kingdom, like from the first like hour to me, it feels like a Zelda game and like it really speaks to me and I'm really appreciating how like they start you in the tutorial area where you're kind of going to those different shrines uh, to get those like powers. And it feels a little like a callback to like, you know, back in Ocarina of Time, we have to go get the three stones before the Temple of Time and just the whole like I've only done two of the um, two of the regions. And mm-hmm. each one really kind of feels like the Zelda that I know and love. And so with this, as gloomy as I was on the first one, I'm actually really, really enjoying this one. And I think people who had the same feelings as I do um, about the first one might feel kind of the same way about this one that I do, where it's just it, it feels like what I think Zelda should be with the Breath of the Wild formula. So all that long winded to say, I kind of like it. Uh, no, I actually, <laughs> I love it so far. It's It's been great to kind of go in and have something that I feel like speaks to me. Well, that's uh, actually really nice to hear. Um, I think a lot of people, I'll try to distill some of the comments without the negativity, but just some of the things that a lot of people didn't like about, well, not a lot of people, a, a subset of Zelda fandom did not enjoy about Breath of the Wild. Um, it, for, it foregoed the traditional dungeon uh mechanics where you enter a dungeon there's an item in the dungeon uh that item is usually key to solving the puzzles in that dungeon and then once you leave the dungeon you now have this new tool that can recontextualize the world uh and will open up new paths of exploration whereas breath of the wild gave you your key abilities right off the top like in the tutorial area and then the rest of the game was iterating on those key abilities Um, So every shrine, they might be, you know, you you might get better at things. Your ability uh, to use these skills might improve. But technically speaking, you should be able to beat every shrine right after exiting the uh, Gray Plateau because you have the abilities you need to do it. Um, And also there were the Divine Beasts, which were, I guess, kind of a replacement for traditional Zelda dungeons. But all of the Divine Beasts had the same architecture. Uh, They didn't feel particularly unique aside from maybe the layouts. Uh, And a lot of people just kind of struggled with that. And they missed the elements of Zelda that they really, really loved. And I certainly can't argue with that because that is a legitimate criticism. Breath of the Wild took a lot of the core mechanics of Zelda and removed them and replaced them. Um, Now, I think the Tears of the Kingdom... And the developers looked at the things that they removed from Breath of the Wild and were like, all right, how can we work these things into Tears of the Kingdom in a way that will organically work with this uh, this world that we've created? And I think that they've succeeded uh, for the most part. I've only beaten one dungeon thus far. Um, and already I was like, oh, this, this is already a better dungeon than most of the Divine Beasts, in my opinion. Um and I, I really, I really enjoyed that. I thought, okay, this is cool. And I think that they came up with an interesting way around the uh, the item that you get in the dungeon is key to solving the dungeon and recontextualizes the world. Uh, 
in that they did give you new abilities uh, that are use that are used to solve the dungeon, and that is in your companions. Uh, I've only gotten one thus far. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to spoil who it is, but they do. They allow you to uh, glide horizontally across vast distances uh, as their special power, and you get this when you are inside. Uh, when you are when you are approaching the dungeon and you are inside the dungeon, and then after you solve the dungeon, you get to keep this ability um, and create an avatar of that character that you can activate whenever you want to give you that ability. So I thought that was an interesting workaround to the cons- to the central Zelda idea of the item in the dungeon solves the dungeon. So it gives you a unique mechanic in each dungeon that you can explore and then ex- use that to explore the world afterwards. It also kind of does the Skyward Sword thing where you you get to kind of the pre-dungeon is almost part of the dungeon. Like yeah. the game narrows down for that pre-dungeon and lets you kind of learn your new ability and... Um, have it has its own unique kind of gameplay for that period of time, which I really appreciate. Yeah, I was, uh, I did the same dungeon uh, that you did. Um, and it, it did. I thought it was an interesting replacement for the dungeon item. Uh, I also, um, I, I mean, I agree that the biggest problem, the biggest problem for me with Divine Beasts being dungeons is all about the, th- the theme of them. Um, and it's like, I like the theme, the Sheikah technology theme of Breath of the Wild is great, but it's the only theme in the entire game in over a hundred shrines and all the dungeons, all the bosses, it's all the same theme. And so, you know, you, you've lost that. Here's the forest, here's the mountain, here's the water temple. You know, you, you don't have any of that. Um, and some, like, I would say the the dungeon I've done, I think will go down as one of the more memorable locations um, along with things like uh, the Snow Peak ruins in like Twilight Princess, where you just go into some Yeti's house and it's suddenly a dungeon, <laughs> right? It's like when you when you go to a place that feels like it's part of the world and part of like why is this here? There's a story behind it. Um, it 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 felt better. Uh, not having just a different it, Ganon with a a sword or a gun this time yeah <laughs> you know? uh, having a real boss um you know that alone brought back a lot of the this is more like traditional zelda um so like i i do i do still miss a little bit i agree with the we're still missing a, a dungeon item that you get in the middle of a dungeon right mm. that recontextualizes how you think about the dungeon um you know that that originally it was you do like half the dungeon and you have to figure out how to do it without the item and then you get the item and then you can you can say aha i saw something in the very first room where i can use that item or mm-hmm. now i can chop down that big plant and it's going to crash down and open a new thing you don't have that it does recontextualize the world later uh, or just give you a cool thing to make traversal easier uh, and like I, I only know the one ability, right? I don't know what any of the yeah. other abilities are, uh, but that alone has made getting around the world just feel a little bit better. Um, and, and so I like it as an alternative. Um, but like Breath of the Wild had that too. I mean, you you got an ability at the end of the dungeon, you just didn't have it during the dungeon. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say maybe only one of them really changed how you played the game uh yeah uh Rivali's gale i would assume i guess yeah you, yes, you could argue yes. mifa's grace made you just less careful and you didn't really care if you got hit <laughs> anymore um 
to be honest, <laughs> I, I, I miss that ability a lot because my, like I, I, I explained in the last episode, Link, my Link is not just distractible, it's also clumsy as mm-hmm. And uh, the possibility of him, let's say, skydiving and not pulling out his uh, his <laughs> I was glider about to say in the last the exact second. Same thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have killed poor Link jumping off an island and not opening the paraglider more yep. than a few times. <laughs> or being sure you have enough stamina to get to that place, and you're like, um, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> well. Why don't we talk about uh, some of the new abilities, like the new core abilities that have replaced the core abilities in Breath of the Wild? So in Breath of the Wild, you had uh, oh man, it's been so long since I, you had stasis, you had uh, magnesis or whatever magnesis. it's called, yeah. magnesis. Yeah, you had the bombs. You had uh, infinite number of uh, an infinite number of bombs, and you had uh, cryonis. Thank you. It makes the water pillars. Yeah, or the water ice pillars pillar. out of water. Yeah. So you had the most these, boring one, yeah, a little but bit. really useful once you're really good at True. it. True, but you had these, and they were utilized ad nauseum in all of the shrines uh, in different combinations. Uh, and in this case, there none of them have returned uh, at all. Now you have a bunch of new abilities: um, Ultra some, Hand, Ultra Hand, some of which, <laughs> uh, yeah, the Power Glove, um, some of which, some of which have replicate the abilities of uh, Breath of the Wild. Uh, but so you have Ultra Hand, which allows you to pick up and move stuff around with your mind, but also to fuse objects together. So if you want, if you have a block and you have another block, you can fuse those objects together and make one really big, tall block, um, which in combination with the game's mechanics, just it breaks the world in the best possible way. Um, that's I would argue this is the central mechanic of the game. Uh, you have Fuse, which is a little bit like Alter Hand in the sense that you can fuse things together, but specifically you can fuse together uh, weapons, objects to your weapons, objects to your shields, your shields to your swords. Uh, you can fuse together uh, items in your inventory to arrows, uh, which greatly uh, increases your options in terms of offense. And I would argue to a degree... Uh, offsets the durability uh, issues that were in the first game that a lot of people had problems with to a degree. Um, You have an ability uh, uh, where you can uh, travel upwards through objects or through, uh, I guess, just through things. So if you're like in a, if you're in a cave, for example, uh, you can use this to travel straight through the roof of the cave and then appear at the top of the mountain. Um, or if there's a platform that you need to get to, you can use the, you can use ascend to go right up to the platform. Um, which I keep forgetting I have the damn ability. Oh, <laughs> always. How do I get up there? Oh, how do, how I, do I get up there? Or like I'll use like a lot of stamina potions to like climb a mountain, and I'm like, <laughs> oh wait, ah, stupid. You got you got to remember that ability. There's some really cool stuff you can do. I'm not going to spoil where it is, but there's a secret there's a secret store you can enter. That you can mm-hmm. only enter by using ascend by going underneath of of it through Interesting. a specific area. Clever! I am excited to find that. Yeah, I was going to say that in that dungeon I did. There was actually a room where I was stuck for about ten minutes, and then I ended up using ultra hand to make myself like a makeshift platform that I used recall to raise myself up to a higher area on. 
Mm-hmm. And then I realized later that the solution was to use a send. <laughs> and it was like not supposed to be a complicated puzzle. It was just really easy. Now, there are more ways than one to solve a puzzle in this game. Um, and the last ability is recall, which uh, allows you to basically access an item's memory uh, to restore it to where it was. So in the gameplay, tra- gameplay trailer, if you saw it, uh, islands are falling out of the sky. Uh, little pieces of these islands. So if you find one of these pieces uh, and you get on top of it, you can use recall and the piece will uh, suddenly fly back up into the sky. Or if if a, like a, a moblin throws a rock at you, you can recall the rock and the rock will fly back towards the uh, moblin. So in combination, these four abilities, and there are other abilities in the game. I don't really want to spoil those. There's other things like cameras and stuff like that. But these four abilities in combination, uh, basically, you know what it feels like to me? They feel almost like developer tools that they were just like, let's just make it the central gameplay mechanic. Like, yeah, like cheat mode kind of things. Yeah. Which should be impossible as like making the mechanics of your game without making it a complete broken buggy mess. And yet somehow it's not like, no, it's almost not every time I make a dumb, like fuse together something stupid with ultra hand that's like absolutely ridiculous it, it feels in the end like the developers expected me to have been able to do that mm-hmm. yeah exactly i mean there you can already find youtube videos although i've been avoiding them because i don't want any spoilers but there are already youtube videos that show some of the uh insane creations that some of the people have been building using ultra hand uh, including i think there was one that looked like a stick figure with a massive erection yes <laughs> oh yeah the one spitting fire yeah that one. <laughs> oh dear yeah that was uh that was, amanda came in to show me that video and she's like i want to play this game so bad and i was like that's what makes you want to play the game <laughs> nintendo should just like retweet it yeah it's always one of the first things right you, you put any game out there that has any kind of creative tools like one of the first things you're going to find somewhere is a penis oh that was the, that was a joke in uh, uh mythic quest the show mythic quest which is uh was it time to it's like how fast how fast will they use this oh, new ability this, to make it yeah oh yeah the, the shovel yeah yeah it um, just reminds me of little big planet and this wholesome little you know cloth game and then you just go to someone's uploaded level and it's just like a sea of phallic imagery <laughs> it's like oh and there's all this cute music playing in the background just like boop, 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 boop. <laughs> yeah yeah the game is uh it, it's it's so big and not just in oh christ that's not what you want to say after you were talking about erections (laughs) (laughs) isn't it though it's so big i can't even take it you've got this ultra hand (laughs) (laughs) oh god Uh, um the game is very large no that's still bad um massive Let's just go with that Um, in terms of its mechanics and the abilities that you can use to essentially break the game um, and in combination. But it's not just that. It's like there is so much here in terms of the world and the size of the world because it's still Hyrule. Like it's the same. Hyrule is the same size as it was in the first game. And then you also have the Sky Islands, which although there is some vast emptiness between the Sky Islands, in terms of content, it feels almost equal to uh hyrule in the sense that the content is just more concentrated into these uh these little areas Uh, and then you have uh the underground which is the same size as far as i can tell as hyrule and it's not just it's not just the same size as hyrule it it also uses uh, a completely a different exploration mechanic whereas hyrule uses the same um 
tower-based uh, map filling out as before, where you uh, have to get to a tower and the tower will show you your map. It will re- reveal sections of the map. When you're in the underground, though, you have to look for these, are they called light routes? Yeah. Um, yeah, underground, which basically just look like organic light bulbs, uh, because underground is understandably very dark. There is no light under there. So to uh, find the areas of the underground and bathe them in light so you can see everything, you need to activate one of these uh, light routes. Uh, and until then, there is a new, I guess, consumable item that you need to use, which is uh, you attach, essentially it's a plant that illuminates light. So you attach, you can you can place them down or more accurately fuse them to your arrows and fire them into the darkness. And when they land, they will illuminate a very small area that will prevent you from falling off a cliff. Um, although it doesn't because I have fallen off many cliffs in the underground. The, the depths are one of the ways in which this just feels more like Zelda to me, not... Mm like just another addition it's the well also the fact that the surface has way more caves now than breath of wild breath of wild had very few and most of them were tiny but there's actual like expansive caves here and then you also have this massive depths like zelda to me has always been about like you know you walking around this world but then you find your way into a dungeon or a cave or something and that was completely missing from breath of the wild and is now here in like many ways including this massive depths which also kind of acts as the dark world of the game as well Mm -hmm. which is also a zelda classic so yeah i mean i'm a little surprised that they i mean maybe maybe not so much because they they try not to put too much zelda trappings that people don't understand on things but i'm a little surprised they didn't call the depths the underworld because like that's a classic zelda concept from the first Mm -hmm. game that all of the dungeons that was the underworld. It was you had an overworld and a literal underworld, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we have that across the whole world, which has just never happened before. I'm still expecting a character in game to call it the underworld at some point. <laughs> probably Tingle. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably where you'll find him. He's just down there in a cave, <laughs> just covered with like light bloom seeds, like a Christmas tree, and he's just like, "Oh, I'll trade you rupees." <laughs> uh, has like a cute little house down there, and everything's perfect. <laughs> in the in the pitch black the um the depths was really crazy for me so you know how a lot of people will refer to like uh moments like from breath of the wild when you step off the the great plateau and they'll call that your like breath of the wild moment um breath of the wild was really influential for a lot of games especially like elden ring and for me when i first entered the depths it kind of felt like a flip on that to where it was like this is zelda's elden ring moment where that just everything down there just kind of felt like underground in Elden Ring. Um, but with all the like spores and stuff kind of floating mm-hmm. around, uh, Izzy and Michael get this, but like the Amdapur keep from uh, Final Fantasy XIV, ah, yes. like the keep and the lost city of Amdapur and just all that kind of stuff. It, it felt like those two concepts kind of combined together. So me really liking both of those games, I was like, oh, holy crap, this is amazing. And it still has like what Izzy said, that that feeling of like, the dark world of uh, Zelda. And it's also super scary. Mm. And I'm not oh, going to yeah. say what I found down there, but good luck. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, speaking of scary, has anyone run into the uh, uh, the hands yet? Yes. yes. Oh, geez. No. I, I didn't know they were in this one. Those are always one of the creepiest enemies in Zelda. Uh, they, they've knocked that up to 11 in this game. <laughs> um, a better question for everyone is, has anyone beaten the hands yet? As far as I can tell, there's two different kinds of hands. Um, I have beaten one kind of hand. And then 
I half beat another kind of hand, and then it decided it had a second phase. <laughs> yep, that's the and, second. The second and, uh, phase is what I'm talking about, and that killed me instantly because I was already <laughs> out of healing items fighting the first part. I was so pleased with myself. I ended up in a cave with the hands. The, That's exactly let's just call where them, I was. Yeah. yeah, let's just call them gloom hands. I was in a cave with the gloom hands, and uh, it, it bodied me. I had nothing left. Uh, <laughs> and then I, I got up onto a ledge. I was like, hee, 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 they can't reach me up here. I'm just going to bomb them into oblivion. And that was a mistake, um, because once they are dead, something else comes oh. uh, and made of gloom. I won't ruin it for you, but is... Uh, that sounds exciting. It, it's very exciting. It was... Was that the cave with like a, a shrine on the cliff? Yes. Yes. I did the same thing. I was like, I'm such a genius. And then I ran out of arrows and bombs. And I was like, I'm just going to leave. <laughs> I, I finally gave up on that and just jumped down and started fighting him. I was like, I don't care if all my hearts break. I have healing. And I, even with all of my, uh, like, because you can have the hearts broken where you can't heal them anymore. Even mm-hmm. with item restoration to undo that status effect, I ran out of all my healing and I only had two unbroken hearts by the end of it so it was over once phase two started <laughs> two out of how many how many hearts do you have right now uh now i have 10 i think when this happened i probably had six or eight like, okay um but yeah it's a it was a mess but i did encounter the same enemy in the overworld i did and, too and defeated it and it didn't have a phase two. Oh, that's interesting. interesting so it seems like it's only some of them was it like on a hill because i I found one on a hill, and then due to the traumatic experience that I faced with the first set, <laughs> I quickly did a 180 and left. But I, there, I, I don't no, know no, that no, it was no. on a hill. It was. It was actually. Um, I'll just say it. I found it in what Breath of the Wild was the start zone, the Great Plateau. Um, oh, so I was I'm, in the Great. I was right in the now, Great Plateau. Yet, just, so that's fun. Yeah, I was just wandering around exploring, and and. Then in the distance saw something. I was like, what is that? And then I was like, oh no. <laughs> and I tried to climb a tree <laughs> and it killed me. Uh, but I came back and did it again. Um, there is a secret to make them easier, but I don't want to spoil it for everyone. No, I want to so, discover that. Um, so <laughs> I was able to jumps. do it, but yeah. Speaking of jump scares, uh, did anyone get a jolt when a tree woke up and attacked them? Yes. yes. <laughs> At least they're not that hard. I was expecting them to be much harder to kill. They're pretty easy to kill, so there's that. They are pretty easy to kill, but they are a nightmare when you are surrounded. Like there's a, yeah. it's called the Forest of Time, uh, Forest of Time uh, in the. I'm just gonna call it the Underworld because I like it better. Um, in the Underworld, and it's like half the bloody trees in the Forest of Time are alive and ready to kick your. I, I need to go see that. I was just gonna say all this talk of like the creepy enemies and the creepy stuff, the depths and all that. Just like that's another thing that I think Tears of the Kingdom does that all the best classic Zeldas do is have all this creepy stuff. Mm. Um, Dez also knows that there um, he's faced the Gibdos as well. And the vibes that you get the first time you come across them in a certain area is pretty good. I haven't encountered that yet, but it would, it wouldn't surprise me. I was waiting for it. I was about to say shortly after I got to the surface, I was just exploring around and thought nothing of it and accidentally jumped down a well Mm-hmm. which you couldn't do in Breath of the Wild. All the wells were full of dirt. And so yep. I saw the well and was just like, oh, there's going to be a Korok here. So I went to go get the Korok <laughs> in the well and I fell. And my heart just kind of sank. I was like, there is a dead hand down here. I know it. <laughs> this is over. I'm in the bottom of a well. Um, oh, and so, God. yeah, I, I was fully expecting there to be a Gibdo or a Redead or all of the above. 
Oh man. In all of the wells. <laughs> I haven't seen any redeads yet, but I wouldn't be surprised with how like like I really love Majora's Mask and it has like a lot of amazing like horror themes to it and of course I'm like a horror nut about it. But like the first time when you come across like the Gibdos, like Izzy said, it's it kind of recreates that feeling of like, you know, an ocarina of time when you step out as an adult and see those redeads. Like that's terrifying, and then also the like likes, which are my least favorite oh. enemy in the entire. Oh game. yeah, <laughs> there's a like, lot of like likes in this game, and a lot of different. They're elemental like likes. Yeah, as well. the fire ones. Lightning like likes is not a thing that needed to exist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my favorite is. Uh, has anyone has anyone been in the um, uh, the caverns underneath uh, uh, the, the caverns that lead to the castle? Yes. Not yet. I didn't okay. go down into it. Um, it's it's a really cool area where it involves a lot of if you're going down there head down with a lot of bombs and a hammer a couple of hammers preferably because you're going to be doing some digging possibly um, an inventory yeah. full of them yeah um, <laughs> but you go down there and you uh, you start hammering around and you walk into what looks to be a uh, soldier's barracks and there is a freezing like like in there and it just starts spewing out uh ice platforms that immediately fill the entire room uh to a ridiculous degree like the entire room is completely packed with ice uh it's a really hilarious effect that killed me Um, so like (laughs) i didn't even know there were elemental like likes and so this is all just giving me like intense anxiety because i was like oh (laughs) the ones that i saw first were just garbage i don't have to deal with them anymore and then you guys are like oh here's lightning and fire and bombs and gloom and like taxes and debt i encountered a like like that was spitting boulders at me down a ramp the boulder like likes yeah oh yeah um and did you actually try to take it out it's its heart is made of stone literally (laughs) yeah no i i did take it out it was in a cave and i wanted to explore the whole cave i couldn't just Mm -hmm. leave (laughs) um well that's another okay there's there's two things i wanted to say one it wouldn't be a random encounter if I didn't bring up Yakuza, but um, I'm, I'm bringing it up for a good reason. In Yakuza 4, uh, rather than continuously add like a different town, they went the route of recontextualizing Camarocho. So they actually added like platforms on the rooftops where you could navigate along the rooftops. And there was like a second level under the city where it was the stores and kind of like the, the like you could navigate through like this little this path system. And then even below that, you would the sewer system. So adding these different levels to Hyrule is a very uh, time-honored way of building a world out uh, vertically and uh, downwards, I guess, uh, upwards and downwards. Um, and it, it's very, very effective at creating a lot of surprises and making you appreciate a place which you came to know pretty well in the last game. So we're going to space next, right? <laughs> There's nowhere yeah, else it's gonna left. Be, uh, right. It's going to be uh, Legend of Zelda Galaxy. No, I, I, I was going to say, like, there was a lot of concern, even criticism, leading into this that it was not a totally new overworld. Mm. Um, and, like, you could argue now, well, the Depths is a totally new overworld. Um, so yeah. we got that, too. It's it's more like the Pokemon Gold and Silver take, where you got the new and you just got the old tacked on, too. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, it just doesn't feel like it's the same game to me like at all it doesn't um, and it's like i know like i went to the great plateau and i got to go see some of the places i knew i would remember you know you go see kakariko village and it's a little different and and you, so there's that little bits of familiarity but exploring central hyrule and west nakluda i'm just like this just doesn't seem like it's the same place anymore at all <laughs> like no i i think they've they've done a 
I mean, of the little bit I've seen, even after all these hours of the overall world, like, I think they've done a great job of like showing like progression over the years. Like you go to some places where you're like, Oh, well, you know, I used to talk to this character here. It's like, Oh, well this place is destroyed. And now these other guys have taken up residence here, but now there's this new settlement over here. So it's just, it's really interesting how many places and ways stuff that is familiar, even though the overworld is familiar, uh, all the things in it are different in some way. It's very much like returning to uh, your hometown if you've been away for like a decade and you're driving through and you're like, oh, they tore down the old McDonald's. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I was going to say, it's maybe a little controversial, but seeing how success, uh, a little bit of a controversial take that is, but seeing how successful they've been in this with me only seeing 10% of the map, like it actually makes me hope that they just keep doing that. Like I, I love that we have like a fully realized Hyrule now and it's not just, well, this game, Gerudo Desert isn't important to the story we're telling, so it's just not on the map anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, well, we decided the whole thing just fits if we rotate it a little better this time. So it's just it was never consistent before. And mm-hmm. I, I love that now we have two games where it's completely consistent. And I would not care if we got more of it. Like, sure, put a put a bigger time skip if you want, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know? how cool would it be if it was 50 years for the next game? And right. It was uh, different, more different than this, but still um, all that landmass was there the same. I think that that's a really cool idea, that if they jumped 100 years in the future, you would actually get a developed version of Hyrule, like, that's, you know, fully developed, that the, these runes are gone now, and they're actual, like, settlements. There are no runes. There are just buildings mm-hmm. and towns and things like that. That would be an interesting way to go. Yeah, and then they can destroy it in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> As they do. <laughs> and then it won't be very different anymore. <laughs> so what I would like is I'm a big fan of like looking at world maps and wondering like what's over there. So like in the Elder Scrolls, for example, you have like, uh, I think Tamriel is the continent, but then there's like other continents that I want to go see. Mm. And so I think it would be really cool if they kind of did like how Final Fantasy XIV does is you have like Eorzea, you know, this whole world, you've explored it top and bottom and they keep adding stuff to it. But then it's like, what's across the ocean? So I think Mm. it'd be really cool to kind of explore like Zelda's like planet, like beyond Hyrule. And they've done it before in other games, like with um, Majora's Mask, where they go to Termina. And it's like, well, oh, one more time. I said Termina, yeah. Oh, so I thought you told me to turn up, and I was like, turn turn up for what? <laughs> but um, yeah, turn like, it up, turn it up. Turn it up. Uh, how Termina was just like, it felt familiar, but also very strange and new. So I would love it if they kind of did like, if they kept this, you know, X of the Y um, kind of like sub-series going, it'd be cool if there was something just kind of beyond Hyrule. Like what else could they do when they don't have to keep the Zora and the Gerudo and the Gorons and uh, whatever the other ones, the Rito. What if they do the like, um, bring back sailing as a big mechanic and then yes. literally have you like start on like the West coast or something of Hyrule and only there's only a part of Hyrule you can explore there that like it's a future. There's the city. You can explore a bit of that, but then your, your goal is to cast off from there and go explore new lands. That would be That's amazing it. to me. And especially if they give you back the, what was it, The King of red lions. You just kind of tie everything all back together and then put you on a really beloved find the pieces of the Triforce quest. I know everybody (laughs) loves it. (laughs) Yeah, we need that Uh, one. I'm actually a little (laughs) bit like, I'm still like shocked that the depths is as big as it is, right? I thought it was more likely that something like what you're describing would happen. Like they have an ocean on the map 
on the east side of the map. It's an ocean that just goes off into nothing. And I think they've got some shadows off in the distance, kind of implying there's stuff out there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was more likely they would maybe expand the map and they'd add, even if not a whole other continent, some extra islands, some extra stuff over there. And instead they said, no, we're going down <laughs> and just did the whole thing. But um, you could even say, what if, what if the depths just extended under the ocean mm. and then you discover a new continent? You know, there's, there's a thousand things they could do with it, uh, including going to space. <laughs> they could do that. They could even go the dark world. They could like, recontextualize everything in high rule by turning it into the dark rule again by put doing low rule or uh or the golden realm but i don't think they're going to do that i think you i think that that's a that's a clever idea actually and to explore various locales that we've seen before so the the areas that were in the oracle games for example uh holodrum holodrum. yeah Yeah, if we got open world versions of like the places that we've been before uh yeah yeah please let's actually let's expand on because we brought up majora's mask um tears of the kingdom is a rarity in zelda the zelda series in that it is a direct uh sequel and by that we don't just mean like taking place in the same timeline we mean it's 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 taking place immediately after the the previous game um so the, the other games in this franchise were the original legend of zelda and then uh, Zelda 2 uh, Adventures of Link they were direct sequels but they were very different in every other way I would argue that they were not direct sequels it was not a sequel in terms of the gameplay mechanics let's put it that way um, and then there was uh, Link to the Past which then got a direct sequel in terms of storyline character and I would argue uh, mechanics in uh, Link's Awakening which was on a different console but it was the same it was a development of the ideas that were presented in uh Link to the Past. Then we got Ocarina of Time, and then of course we got uh, Majora's Mask, which was a development from the ideas that were in uh, uh, Ocarina, but now with this new time limit mechanic, which was really really creative. Um, I mean, Josh, I'm not you. Obviously, have the the games more in your head than I do. And there are a few other sequels to the series, like obviously Link Between Worlds, which you just put a review up. Uh, you just wrote a review for the <laughs> site, <did>. actually. <laughs> Yeah, so check that out. There'll be a link in the description. Um, yeah, so this game takes all the mechanics of Breath of the Wild and develops them and builds on them. I believe that I might be mistaken in this. What From what I've read in a few different places, Tears of the Kingdom was initially, very initially, like early days, was cons- was thought to be, okay, this could just be some DLC. But DLC eventually, I, I think it's DLC in the same sense that... Uh, that um, Silk Song is going to be DLC for Hollow Knight, which is it started out that way, and then they were like, "We have something here. This is a game. This isn't DLC. This is a friggin' game." And they spend years and years developing it uh, and building it into something unique. Um, thus far, I know we're not super far into the game yet, but does everyone feel that this works as a sequel to Breath of the Wild, both thematically and in terms of the mechanics? Oh yeah, absolutely for sure. Yeah, Ultra Hand actually ended up uh, better than I expected. I when when I saw they were making this game, I was like, they're totally going to make Magnesis, but it's going to be where you can pick up anything. And mm-hmm. I and I actually thought they would even just put Stasis into Magnesis, where it's like you grabbed something, now you can just stop it by hitting a different button. And mm-hmm. they didn't do that, right? They did something way cooler. Um, but like I, I, they've evolved the all the concepts. 
a thousand yeah. times. The best part about Ultra Hand is that, and the Canadians might appreciate this, but it basically turns you into that uh, TV show Red Green, where the yeah. guy just uses duct tape <laughs> to make everything. <laughs> and so, like, I'm just like, I'm just going to duct tape a rock to this sword, and now I got a hammer. Yeah. That is the most accurate description of Ultra Hand that I've heard thus far, oh which gosh. is red green. It's just that's, the duct tape of Hyrule. That's so good. <laughs> my, my parents love that show. No, that's a great yeah. one. I, I'm going to explain this game to my dad like that now. Yeah, just mm. be like, it's red green, but playable. And if someone <laughs> out there can like make a mod for like a red green voice pack or something to just like replace all the link stuff, even put in the beer, that would be great. <laughs> like I will subscribe to your Patreon. <laughs> the, um oh God, what's the character's name? Is it, I've only... I've, is it Raru? Yeah. Yes. Uh, the, like, yeah, Raru, who is the, uh, historically speaking, is literally the goat of Hyrule, um, <laughs> figuratively and literally. <laughs> My sister calls him like goat dad. She's like, he's such a big dad. <laughs> goat dad. Yeah, that's that's pretty appropriate. Um, and he it's his it's his hand that you are currently using. He, he gives you a hand. Um, I can't remember where I was going with this. I was so pleased with my goat joke that I completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> I guess maybe linking it back to how Ultra Hand and all that stuff. And um, I can't remember. Hey, let's talk about let's talk about making contraptions, um, which is kind of what this is. This game. The other part of Ultra Hand uh, is contraption making. So the Zonai is the 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 ancient race in this game. Um, they were, I guess, technologically advanced, and they vanished. And that it, it's their buildings and islands that get that rise up in this into the sky, um, and because of that, technology gets rained all across Hyrule. And there are various devices that you can find. Um, and with Ultra Hand, you can combine uh, parts of this device. So if you find like I don't know something that looks like a wing, you can attach two propellers to it, and then a steering column, and then you can attach batteries to either side of the. Uh, propellers to give it extra power and then you have a flying machine um i firmly believe that this was inspired by the developers watching uh people on youtube just break the game and like making contraptions like the flying minecarts and we're just like that's a mechanic now we're doing that yep i think i haven't read all of them yet but they've been putting out developer interviews over the last week they they started right before the game launched and then they kept doing it after the game launched and i've been too busy playing to keep reading them (laughs) but i saw some mumbling on twitter i think they actually just like straight up confirm that that we saw all the cool things people were doing and thought let's just let people do it (laughs) okay (laughs) i I love that i like the idea that they were just inspired by watching the way that people played breath of the wild uh and uh decided to develop those ideas which that's just really cool as, as a developer and like seeing what seeing what people did and making it into the game that's smart and you kind of like how the game is structured lets you do as much or as little as you want of it like there's almost always a very straightforward solution of building something like slap these things that are right there together and you Mm -hmm. have what you need but you can also just make the dumbest contraption to do it or the most complicated like i was talking to des about this but um the sign the guy who's holding up his sign and you have to like (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) you have to somehow prop the sign up so when he lets go he can duct tape it together because he does even worse than link does at building but uh uh des was talking about how oh you for most of those you can just slap together an l and just shove it in there and i was like yeah but i can also just like build a fortress around him that holds it up for fun (laughs) yeah for me i was like l shape strong l shape hold (laughs) sign hold l best 
Well, my favorite is, Mike, you made the joke in the last episode where you're like, Koroks in the other game were like, hee hee, you found me under this rock. In this game, they're like, build me a Ford F-50 and take me to my friend. <laughs> well, that wasn't my joke. Uh, Steven, oh, whose was it? Yeah, uh, my friend Stephen told me that. And I don't, know if, I don't know if he coined it or if he found it on Twitter, but either way, yes. It's like oh, he God. Has, it was, build me a truck. Uh-huh. Oh, killed me. Just slap so, a rocket on it. The one thing that I love about like the Did you should be slap a rocket on a Kurok when you want to go to you your can. friend. Yeah. Oh my god, why haven't I done that? That's yeah, a brilliant so, idea. It, attach a rocket to him, aim it approximately at his friend, and fire. Yes, I, I mostly did that. I actually I stuck him to one of those bird wings and then put a rocket on it. And then I was gonna ride it across a river, but I had the wing angled a little too close too much down toward the river and we went straight into the river. Mm-hmm. I did the exact opposite where I was angled too much up and we launched into the sky. And then <laughs> I turns out I hadn't stuck the Korok onto the wing. So like halfway up, he just went flying off. Uh, there was for me, the moment was there was a shrine that was full of mine carts and rockets. Um, and uh, there was a treasure chest uh, high up on one of the walls. So it's like, oh, this is an easy thing. I'm just going to, you know, OK, move the mine cart here. I'm going to attach a rocket to the side of the mine cart and attach a rocket onto this other side of the mine cart. I guess I misaligned them slightly. And when I hit it, my mine cart went flying out of control. It was like Wiley e. Coyote with one of his contraptions. And I, Link was flying around the whole place. And then I got crushed between two mine carts and died. And it was like, OK, that was hilarious. I died and I don't care. That was worth the time. <laughs> Uh, one thing about like Breath of the Wild and there being like what nine hundred and ninety nine Korok seeds, just mm-hmm. nine hundred, nine hundred. <laughs> oh, that's um, all. yeah, just uh, just nine hundred. Uh, it seems like people are taking their revenge on the Koroks in this game because where you have them, like where you're having to build them the F one fifty, a lot of people are just like taking their frustrations out on those poor little guys and just being like, no, you're gonna get in this cart with eight rockets and like some time bombs and just good luck. And like, there's been this whole like, like influx of like Koroks being tortured, essentially. Oh, no. I, I have seen far too many pictures of Koroks <laughs> affixed to crucifixes. Oh my yes. god! Yeah. I, I saw one where it was like a line of like ten Koroks, maybe all attached together, being dragged behind a horse. There's also the one where someone has like the Korok spinning on a spit over fire. Yes. Mm-hmm. For me, like my first thing is that um, the first Korok that you see that you have in the the like starting area that you have to kind of like get to his friend with this little like uh, like hook thing that has to go on the rail. For me, I just essentially made like a cheap hanger and just like duct tape the Korok to it and just called it good. <laughs> I, I swear to God, this w- this won't happen. If it does happen, I will. I will stop playing Tears of the Kingdom and just stand and give a standing ovation. If there is an actual side quest where you you take you know the Koroks like you have to get me to my friend and you pick him up and you take him all the way to his friend and it's ridiculous and you put them beside his friend and they're like ha 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 and then they're like oh we're we're friends again now we can take revenge on you as members of the Yiga clan and then they both turn into those things and attack you. <laughs> I hope so. I wouldn't even be that surprised. That would actually be a really good, a really good game feature. That would be funny. <laughs> but they're still the same size as the Koroks. They're just like little tiny, little tiny Yuga Clan members. <laughs> oh man, what if there's like a dream sequence, kind of like in Metal Gear Solid Three, where you're walking through the river and like all the ghosts that you see are how many people you've killed, but instead <laughs> it's just like how many Koroks you've launched <laughs> over a cliff. <laughs> the Hall of Guilt. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God. It's, there's so much, like I haven't even gotten to, okay. 
word of advice to anyone listening uh, who's still listening and not playing Tears of the Kingdom. Um, while it is a, like it's an open world game, and unlike the other, unlike Breath of the Wild, uh, you can miss things if you just go off and explore the world. For example, uh, unless you follow the critical path for a very brief period after you leave the Great Sky Island, you're going to miss your hand glider. Uh, which is obviously a useful travel mechanic for the world of Hyrule, I would argue necessary. Um, so if if my advice would be to, yes, absolutely go off and explore, have a great time, but maybe head to uh, the, maybe follow the critical path for a little bit uh, off the top, just until you get a, a few extra uh, mechanics to help you navigate. And I'd also say keep checking back with the lookout because yes. there's always side quests there. Although I definitely, my side quest log is a whole bunch of uncompleted side quests that I've picked up and then got distracted by something else and never done. That's so. true. Yeah, that, that, that's yep. that's this game. From the Wild Tears of the Kingdom, just distractible as hell. And what's interesting is that when you say like the critical path, there's still like four parts of that critical path that are all oh, complete separate things. Right. So like mm-hmm. when you tell me critical path, I think going to the four regions. But if you tell like, someone else they'll probably be like oh yeah just do all the central hyrule stuff Mm -hmm. um but then i guess i should go to the geoglyphs yes i was gonna say um geoglyphs the four regions and then do whatever robbie asks you to do because you get some really good like upgrades that really help and there's one of those is the most absurd like nobody needed this kind of feature but it's amazing to have i don't know if if any of you have seen the hero's path function yet oh i didn't know it was in the game i was actually missing it and hoping that it was going to be dlc or something because <laughs> well, it was a D- it was dlc for breath of the wild yeah i like that one yeah i'm, I'm not sure if it's the same i assume it is but it's essentially just like a google maps like tracing where you stepped and yep. so it's really helpful to kind of be like oh where did i go six hours ago mm-hmm. but what I found really interesting is in the description, they say you can record up to 256 hours of gameplay in that little path. Yep. Which sounded like an absurd overkill <laughs> thing, but now that I think about it, it sounds about right. It was surprising when they put it in Breath of the Wild. We all, I think everyone kind of assumed it would start when the DLC came out. And mm. so I was like, well, that's neat, but I've already played the game for 200 hours. And I'm not going to, so what is, what can it possibly tell me? Because it's just going to start fresh when I download it. But no, it knew all of your history going back to when you started the game months earlier. Mm-hmm. And so then you could see easily where you had not been, right? Once you had played the whole game, but you were missing 700 Karaks and you yeah. decided like me, you were going to go get them all, that <laughs> it was easy to see which areas you had just not been to at all. And it was like what Izzy said earlier, where it felt like a dev tool that they just decided, you know what, just give it to them. Well, it was a dev tool, as I understand it. Did anyone watch uh, Game Maker's Toolkit released a video a couple of uh, days ago uh, focused on uh, Breath of the Wild and mechanics of Breath of the Wild? Really, really cool video. But one of the things that Nintendo did is in beta testing, they would have a heat map showing like where people went, where playtesters went everywhere in the world. Um, oh. And because of that, they would be like, oh, okay, this, this, this isn't working because they're not exploring at all. They're just, they're just going along the path. So if we move this here and we do this here and we move this here, let's see what happens. So they'd move stuff around and then check the, the hero's path for everyone and say, all right, we're getting, people are exploring a little bit more. Um, 
which is a really cool idea and an interesting way to design an open world game to try to maximize, I guess, the distractibility of your players. Yeah. I, it's like what makes the open world in this work so much better for me than for most games. And I, I mean, Breath of the Wild also had this, but I think Tears of the Kingdom does it even better. It's just how curated the open world is. So mm. like, yes, you get super distracted and there's all kinds of directions to go, but every one of those is like telegraphed by how the ge- geography works and mm-hmm. what you can see from where you are and stuff. So you, the game is always telling you there's something in some direction. It's never like, I don't know where to go because you could literally look around and see, oh, I want to see that thing yep, and I want to go there. You want to know what the, one of the things I appreciate most about Link is that Link doesn't say anything. I just finished playing the DLC for Horizon Forbidden West a few weeks ago, and I love Forbidden West. I, I love Horizon games. I love Aloy as a character. She will not shut the hell up when you're trying to figure out a puzzle with helpful hints. And she's like, maybe we should go over there and pick that thing up. Maybe there'll be something going on there. Link, nope. Link just shuts the hell up and lets you figure it out by yourself. And because of that, when you do solve a puzzle uh, that's organic and environmentally based, you feel like a genius, and it's great. Zelda is very good at that. Um, I've not actually played Horizon. That feature you're talking about sounds really annoying. Um, They've built it into – it seems to be a Sony thing where Sony is like making their puzzles idiot-proof. I guess it's also a thing in God of War. Yes. It's also a thing in every blooper game. Blooper? Blooper. Blooper, yeah. Yeah, don't get me started on the medium. I will <laughs> make this podcast go for six hours, <laughs> which is longer than the game. But like, <laughs> okay, well, let me ask everyone a question based on that. Um, have you saw? Is there any puzzle that you've solved in the world so far that just made you feel really smart when you figured it out? Yes. Um, we talked about missing the paraglider, right? Yeah. I explored the world for two or three hours without it. I was okay. convinced I had to like go it was going to be in a dungeon or like, I just thought it was going to be somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I got in a shrine that had fan puzzles. Um, uh, and I was like, this seems like I need the paraglider, but breath of the wild wasn't built that way. Breath of the wild. I could do anything from the very beginning. Surely I can solve any of these without the paraglider, which is not true. Since mm-hmm. then I have definitely found shrines. There is no way around needing a paraglider for, mm-hmm. uh, but what I ended up doing is it was just the puzzle was just to ride a fan up to a platform, like up to the next platform. That was it. It was just teaching you to use a fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I used Ultra Hand and Recall instead and rode the fan like a platform. And That's smart. Once I realized you could do that and just make your own platforms and move, like you can basically just make your own Super Mario moving platforms. <laughs> oh, you're right. <laughs> they go you however you want because you can just pick it up with Ultra Hand and drag it wherever you want it to go in the reverse order you want it to go, right? Oh my god, you're right. You can make elevators in this game. Exactly. Yes. So if you don't have enough stamina to climb up that thing, go get a plank of wood, raise it up as far as you can, and then just put it back down, and then jump on top. And you can get a lift. Um, and you can do that with anything. You can actually do it, if you're really clever, you could stack like in an eye shape multiple panels to get up even higher using recall. Uh, because, uh, and and if you if you lift it up and down, up and down, up and down repeatedly, recall will keep sending it up and down, giving you more chances to get up as high as possible before it runs out. That'll come in handy for a particular red thing in the desert. It'll make sense when you <laughs> okay. see it, but just keep recall in mind. And like every time somebody tells me something crazy that they did with the um, recall, I'm just like, what? 
like when you were talking about earlier where things fall from the sky you can just stand on it and then recall it like that never crossed my mind and now i'm just sitting here like what (laughs) Uh, the other day i had a little car that i was driving around the depths and the depths are rather rocky right you encounter mountains frequently i took it with me over the mountains because i was able to like lift it up the mountain and it would tumble back down the mountain but then i would climb up the mountain and then use recall on it to bring it back up the cliffside within reach to grab it again oh that's so So i was able to take cars and vehicles i built up and down mountains repeatedly without having to rebuild anything that is very clever that is cool Recall is probably going to be, it's going to be the stasis of this game where people just do absolutely nuts things with it. Give it five years. We won't, we won't believe what people are doing with it. (laughs) I I actually think one thing about it too, that makes it especially powerful. I mean, this applies to all of the powers, but there's no cooldown anymore Mm -hmm. because stasis, you're like, oh, Oh, I made a mistake. Well, let me wait. Like you couldn't just repeatedly do things. Um, Mm -hmm. So being able to do that now, like really, really changes how you approach things. Recall seems to have almost no uh, range either. It's like it essentially seems like if it is on the screen, it works, even if it's in the distance. <laughs> That's it's crazy. Now I just want to go walking around, hitting recall on everything, and just see what happens. I'm kind of excited to do exactly that. Like I wonder yeah. if I can make like a tornado of swords. <laughs> Sword tornado! Oh my god! <laughs> I think my favorite puzzle solution that I, I think this is i think this was gameplay i don't think i think there's is there an area is there a tower where it's constantly raining or was it just raining like weirdly when i was in that area anyway there's a tower that's surrounded by uh this other uh, by thorns that you can't get to it um and the door is blocked by thorns and it's pouring rain um and you because it's pouring rain if you fire a arrow at the at the uh uh thistles uh, the they nothing will happen because it's pouring rain um and it's such a simple solution this is not like a puzzle mechanic or anything i just it just made me like oh yeah where i used ultra hand to make like a little canopy above them so it would not be wet anymore and then lit them on fire and it was you know simple very basic puzzle but it was the kind of moment where i was like that's a really clever environmentally based solution that uses the game central mechanic in a way that's not telegraphed, but is logical and will make the player feel real smart when they figure it out. That actually makes me think like if it's raining, if you could get like a platform and put like a little umbrella above your head, essentially, and then just recall it and then have like a dry place to climb on. That's an interesting idea. Oh, I, I wonder that. Yeah. Um, yeah, because that's back uh, <laughs> falling when it's raining. Uh, yeah. So there was one thing where I all I wanted to do was upgrade my battery and I went back to lookout tower and it was raining and lightning storm and I tried like four times to just climb up this little rock to go upgrade my battery and I slipped like three times and then my shield started to spark and I was like oh it'll be fine I'll just climb up here and I wasn't even thinking and then I've, of course I got zapped by lightning <laughs> but it was like the moment I wanted to do something that required climbing the game was just like no it's raining now. I like how Nintendo's solution to like everyone complaining about not being able to climb up things when it's raining is instead of like doing something about that or making it possible but hard or something, they're just like, no, you can just, you know, recall things up and glide from super high or jump off a sky island to go like anywhere with a huge radius around it. There's like, yes, you could still climb and yes, sometimes you need to climb, but there's it's so easy to just glide everywhere now there is slip resistance stat boosting now Mm -hmm. it's not perfect but it 
Uh, and it doesn't even seem that different to me, just because slipping in the rain is always annoying, no matter how much it is. Yeah, getting some <laughs> but, sticky lizards. But mm-hmm. apparently, it's helpful. <laughs> and there's like the frog suit or whatever that is a suit of slip resistance. Oh, I didn't know there was a suit. Okay. Yeah, go to the uh, go to the newspaper. Uh, go to the newspaper uh, headquarters. Okay. Yeah, if you beat that side quest, you get pieces of it. Yeah. Oh my god, that stupid Zelda. I haven't actually gotten Zelda's horse yet, but there's a section where Zelda's horse runs away, and you're sent after it. And they're like, it's behind that big, scary, three-headed dragon monster. And you're like, okay. <laughs> so, like, I instead of navigating around it like a smart person, I was like, I'm just going to take it on with, like, five hearts. Um <laughs> And it would just, it one hit killed me like five times. And I was like, I might not be ready for this part of the game yet. I've been rolling around with five hearts for quite a while. Uh, speaking of like horses, I don't use them that much. I probably should. But I did like uh, borrow one from some like moblins. Mm-hmm. And I had this great idea. So when you're in Central High, Central High Rule and you sort of go northwest towards like the, the Rito area, there's a bridge with a particular like large enemy on it. I don't know if anyone's seen it, but it killed me. And so mm-hmm. for me, I have this, and it, it's usually my like tradition in Atelier games is that like whatever kills me first gets the biggest bomb I can find and I'll just come <laughs> back. So I spent a while getting this horse and I named it Bomb Horse because I had a very specific <laughs> oh idea God. in mind. <laughs> so I got a cart and put a bunch of um, TNT in it the like red barrels because i found them in a moblin area and i thought this is going to be the best idea ever i'm just going to go roll this card up with the horse next to this like giant moblin thing Mm -hmm. and then detonate it but i learned the hard way that the game when you save it it doesn't save your contraptions or Ah, anything attached with you because i was going pretty quickly overconfident with my big bomb cart and bomb horse and it was going to be a noble sacrifice and i was going to get like this brilliant revenge and then i hit a rock and the cart tipped and then game over i once i was listening to a podcast i think it was a podcast called ungenius and they were talking about uh the one of the alternate plans for the atomic bomb instead of the atomic bomb if it didn't work uh the united states government was planning on training a bunch of bats and putting them putting little incendiary vests on like thousands of bats and just releasing them above the japanese countryside to take up residents in roofs and uh houses and then activate the vests uh, exploding the uh bats um, this was a stupid idea, but this seems like it's something similar to what you were planning to do to this poor horse. Yeah, it sounds right up my alley of the kind of stupid stuff I would have done. So thankfully, I wasn't alive back then because I might have been like, Suicide horse! What if we just drop a bunch of horses on the houses and they're wearing explosive vests? Suicide horse, my God. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm... And again, like, we are talking about this game. We've been talking about this game for an hour and 17 minutes now. And actually, we've been talking about it longer than that because we've even had a bit of a pre-show. And... Again, we have scratched the surface of this game. I'm pretty sure that people who... The game leaked a little early uh, and people were playing it on their uh, PCs using emulators, but I suspect that a lot of those people still haven't seen everything the game has to offer. Uh, At least it's just... There's so much of it. It's crazy. And like, I just keep finding new stuff and like the rest of you is I'll be walking with the destination in mind and then just see something shiny in the corner Mm -hmm. and then walk over to it and get about 90% there. And then see something shiny in the corner. And before I know it, like I was planning to go to like a tower or something, but instead I've dug through like three caves, hit the depths, <laughs> went to like four shrines, got hit by lightning, and then just like ran out of arrows. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, what was I doing? 
Oh, right. I was going towards that region. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how the game works. Uh, or doesn't, or does. It's 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 not a game where the critical path is emphasized in any real way, shape, or form. It's the kind of thing that you do what catches your fancy, and you're probably going to have a very good time doing it. Also, on that note, um, with Breath of the Wild, is that they were like, oh, Zelda's fighting Ganon and has been for, like, what, 100 years? Mm-hmm. And it kind of felt like you need to go to the castle and save her and end this now. So I kind of felt like weird about just rolling around and like getting horses and like playing like little mini games. But like mm-hmm. in this one, it's like, oh, she's somewhere, but she's fine. Don't worry about it. Do what mm-hmm. you want. It doesn't feel as like pressing. Clock. Yeah. And so a, a lot of games have that uh, problem where they'll be like, oh, the world's going to end. But feel free to go play blackjack or something. Oh, Yakuza. Yes. <laughs> right. It, yeah, it's. I mean, it's sort of like what they're talking about, how there's supposed to, apparently, there's not a bunch of, like, silly mini games in Final Fantasy 16 for the same reason, because they feel like it's, like, it doesn't mesh with the idea of the story. Hmm. Um, I am upset about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's still something. I hope so. Probably. There'll be a card game in there somewhere. <laughs> I hope you can play cards with a dog. <laughs> yes. Um, I think... I only have one complaint so far in all of Tears of the Kingdom, and it's that too much stuff is contextually assigned to the A button. I have complaints as well. I'm not going to lie. I agree with that because by the time you get your second ability, um, it's super easy to hit the wrong one because they're both on the A button. Yeah. And they're contextual too. So it's the, yeah, Mm -hmm. the dungeon abilities. I can only imagine when you have all four, how annoying it's going to be to, prioritize or like properly use them it's also a a little annoying in that some of them will like if you've seen the trailers i think they show the little avatars Mm -hmm. but um some of them are ranged and some of them are melee and so you might be wanting to use one of the melee powers but they've decided no i'm gonna go fight this thing over here so you gotta run to them activate their power and then do it it'd be great if there was like a hot key or something or like hold r and press on the d-pad or something I mean, if there's four abilities, there's four face buttons. Like, yes. There should yeah. have been a way to make that work. <laughs> well, actually, that's that's my big complaint about the game is uh, inventory management, um, which is especially when using arrows. You <laughs> can attach anything to an arrow, essentially. Anything that's uncooked in your inventory, you can attach to an arrow and fling it at some, and fling it at enemies. So it doesn't matter what you want. You want an apple arrow, you got it. Raw meat arrow, that's totally cool. Bomb arrow, awesome. The problem is there are so many items in this game and they're not really organized in a fashion that would be considered convenient and you can't favorite items. So you like kind of can. Where? It's not totally. How? Please tell it, me. You can you can sort things, right? With the Y button. And there are multiple categories of sorting. There's by type, by like fusion power. So if you got those monster horns and such uh, or amber, like it'll sort them by which one's going to add the most damage to what you're doing. Um, and then there is most used, which this is not quite the same as favorite. Incredibly useful for me. This is everything <laughs> is worth it now. Mo- most but, I switched to most used a lot. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, especially in like the depths with the bright bloom seeds, like that's pretty much always yep. my most used item. And I think it's the same. I think it's the same most used for throwing items and for shooting them on arrows. Yeah. So like uh, often it's like the fire fruit, the bright bloom seeds, the bomb Bombs. flowers. Um, Mm -hmm. like those are the most used things. Uh, And I guess if, if you, I don't use them too often, I keep forgetting about them, but like the keys eyeballs that make homing targets, 
homing arrows. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. those have to be useful. Um, so you can sort, you just hit Y on the, the menu. Um, but it is, I do agree. It's still pretty cumbersome in general, uh, just cause there's so many things. Uh, but I, I don't know how you, I don't know exactly how you do it better. <laughs> Um, uh, it is I'm in now that look, I've been, I've been struggling with this for a while, whatever solution you just suggested I'm in. Um, it's interesting because breath of the wild kind of has this problem too. Like, I think they fixed some of the inventory complaints about breath of the wild, like breath mm. of the wild's inventory is all horizontal, right? So there's a fixed number of items on the screen at any time. Mm -hmm. And then, so you'd have like five pages of food or whatever. Uh, now it's all one page and it scrolls vertically <laughs> with, uh, on the main menu. The inventory screen but it's interesting when you go back just a few years to like skyward sword and the wii era where nintendo's whole thing was everything needs to be not complicated pushing two buttons at the same time is too complicated having an, having two analog sticks on the controller is too complicated <laughs> and now it's like they are not shy about make sure you hold r and hit the right d-pad and hit wire, whatever, while you're trying to pick out a new bow, and um, you know it's hold hold the right trigger, hit up on the D-pad, and scroll with the right analog stick. Um, right, it's like that would have never happened ten years you, ago. You just like triggered a memory of like, well, not a memory, like a complaint of trying to switch between your sword and your bow. Mm. Like it's you have to like pull out the bow if you have nothing in your hand, and then press right on the d-pad and then use the right stick but if you want to change your sword you have to like swing your sword and then like it's such a weird contextual thing that just there has to be a better way yeah and so i i get the complaints about that like for me i've i have played through breath of the wild like six times right <laughs> yeah. I, I finished it again two days before this game came out um so for me it's all kind of very muscle memory my biggest control complaint is that in breath of the wild up on the d-pad was all your abilities and now up on the d-pad is materials and l holding l is to swap abilities so like mm. that i keep hitting up on the d-pad to swap my abilities <laughs> um but aside from that it's i'm just used to it uh and, mm -hmm. I, and i think the game is pretty good at that like you play the game for 200 hours or whatever so you all you once you've played it for 20 hours you kind of just have it down i think for the most part but for any other game 20 hours the game is over Saying it takes 20 hours to get used to the controls is a perfectly valid criticism. Yeah. yeah. Um, the um, only one that I've come yeah. across that I, I keep messing up is that certain tools and abilities or whatever it is you're doing, certain things, um, you use X to cancel, um, but then other ones use B to cancel. So I can't tell you how many times I've tried to exit from the camera and instead I'm trying to take a selfie because x mm -hmm. x yep. does the selfie um it's not the worst and like unless i'm in combat taking a picture of something which i do <laughs> frequently uh it doesn't usually get me killed but i'm still trying to like remember which one is x which one's b do you just mm -hmm. like take selfies with like lionels and stuff i haven't done the <laughs> selfie yet but um you know when Jono earlier said it's like you know and you know there's a camera i was like that was way too dismissive of my favorite tool <laughs> um, I, every single thing I come across, I'm like, oh, this, I think this stick is a stick I haven't seen before. So I pick Your it up. Your compendium is very full. I, I throw it on the ground and I take a photo of it and then I pick it back up. I think what's inter interesting with the camera is you were mentioning the like tree monsters before. I believe the camera will like rat them out. Yes. Because it'll like yep. say the enemy. Mm -hmm. So if you're like, you just 
pan it across the forest and see it start like you know <laughs> putting targets on there You're like i shouldn't go there i i use mm-hmm. that I, I forgot about it until i noticed that here but i forgot i would do that in breath of the wild sometimes because there would be those tailless creatures hiding somewhere in a field so sometimes i'm like huh there's a field with a lot of rocks i wonder which ones are fake and the camera would show it's like oh well there's one hiding right there and that works in <laughs> this one too very smart it's the game is okay I've been trying to figure this out because I am reviewing the game, although God knows at my current rate of play, which is considerable, I still don't know when I'm going to be able to write this review to 100, like to, to beat the game. Um, I, how can I put this? I feel like this is a 10 out of 10 game. It's not a hundred for me. Um, it's close. Like it, it might even be like, I think it's somewhere between 94 and 96 for me. It just depends on how, it depends on how the rest of it shakes out. It's very, very good. Um, I, like, I think we're talking game of the year material very easily game of the year material, unless, you know, 16 blows the pants off everybody, um, which it very well might. Uh, but th- this is in terms of it being a game, like a fun experience. Uh, this is the most fun I've had to playing a game for quite some time. It's just so much fun. It's a pure Nintendo game, um, in all of the best senses. So I am uh, I'm thrilled to death with how this thing is turning out. For me, uh, being someone who was so like down on Breath of the Wild, like my expectations were like subterranean for this, where I was like, uh, "Well, that just, was lucky." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's such a like step up for like what I want, and then it seems like it also does the same things that like you know like what Josh likes, where it's just like you know someone who loves Breath of the Wild and gets more of you know what they loved, and so it kind of feels like it it raises the floor in a sense of like even people like me who are you know about everything uh it's it's really great and really refreshing and i think you know i don't know if i would call it like a 10 out of 10 but like i would definitely on a score of like our review score easily over 90 like i'd probably give it like a 90 to a 92 but oh, there's going to be editor's choice, no question. Oh, yeah. And I'll probably argue for it with Game of the Year unless 16 or something else comes out. But it's I'm, I'm definitely up there as, as one of the biggest detractors of this group. Uh, hmm. It's it's really phenomenal how how much they've like elevated, like, you know, just kind of blew away my subterranean expectations and like managed to surprise me and like kind of delight me to where. It's something that I can easily say, like, yeah, if you hated Breath of the Wild, still try this. Trust me. Oh, there's so much delight in this game. Especially like torturing Koroks. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I wouldn't mind. Uh, I think we're going to wind this down now for two reasons. One, I don't want the episode to go on too long. And two, I want to play Tears of the Kingdom. Um, but before we go, I just wanted to ask, as today's discussion question, which is going to be very on theme, I want you to say your favorite moment in the game thus far. Um, it can be anything. It can be a gameplay moment. It can be storyline moment. It could just be something that you accidentally did, like ex- using a suicide horse. Um, just share your favorite moment of the game thus far. So my favorite moment so far is probably the first time I jumped into the depths. Uh, just that fall to the depths, then just seeing how dark it was down there. And the first steps I went down was, here's a researcher. Oh, I'm going to talk to them. And then immediately turn into a Yuga clan member and try and kill me. So... <laughs> It was just like double oh, whammy yeah. of the darkness of the depths. Also, Vega Clan, and I don't know that I just love everything about the depths. So the first instance of going there is my favorite, but probably all my other favorites are also parts of being in the depths. Or so, yeah. 
so for me, it was, and I'm not going to spoil it, but, you know, getting up to, well, I'll just say like the elemental, like there's the dungeons are like elemental. So you have like wind and lightning and I assume water. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was getting to the wind temple and just having the name pop up and a single little detail that just said first floor, like that really kind of like lifted my heart up to where I was like, oh, there's more to this than I thought. Mm-hmm. And it's just a tiny little thing. And it's it's not even a very big dungeon, but just seeing that first floor, I was like, oh, this isn't just some random thing that I'm like looking at and going to spend, you know, four minutes on the surface of like, there's, there's depth to this dungeon after this like grueling trek up to get to this place. And so it really just kind of, that was kind of the moment that it clicked for me when it was like, no, this really is the Zelda game that I was looking for. Mm-hmm. So it's like my favorite part is just seeing that little one F like that really delighted me. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead. I was actually going to talk about that same dungeon. Um, I, I, I love just the environment of it. Um, the way you re- the moment you reach it. Um, like I was actually a little concerned because the trek to get to the dungeon is so significant, kind of like Skyward Sword, right? Where it's like the overworld section was so significant. I was like, is this the dungeon? Like, am I already in the dungeon and I just don't know it? <laughs> um, am I about to just fight the boss and it's over? Um, <laughs> and which which still would have been okay. Like, it wouldn't have been as great as it was, but it would have been fine. I, <laughs> I was having fun. But then you actually get to the dungeon and there's just... Uh, what I think is just like an incredible shot where you get to it um, and, and realizing that it's part of the world. It's not like a totally separate instanced thing. Like it, uh, the divine beast was in breath of the wild, you know, the divine beast was instanced. And then when you finished it, the game warned you, you can never come back here. <laughs> right. You're yeah. just kicked out forever. And yeah. it's not that it's part of the world that you can just explore uh, whenever you want, which I know doesn't really sound that special because that's how every other Zelda game worked. <laughs> But, um, but see, but the way it fits in the theme of it, uh, and again, I like we called it the Wind Temple. I don't want to spoil any more about it. Um, but like just, just getting to it. That lead up was pretty damn special, yeah. And the boss fight there is like phenomenal. Like, it's a good boss. That, that also kind of, yeah. It also just kind of secured it to me as like, yes, this is what you're looking for. This is Zelda. <laughs> so like anyone who hasn't gone to a any temples or anything yet just go to the Rito one trust me has has anyone else done the water one not yet no okay uh that's the only one i've done so far and it's it's a similar thing like there there's so much that goes into it i didn't know like i didn't i didn't look up anything like i didn't know I was like oh this is a going to be a dungeon i had no idea i'm like okay i'm just gonna do this quest with this character and there is so much that goes into it to get to this part, to get to this part, and then this area, and then this area, and then suddenly it's like, oh, like it was so. It's it seems like the same kind of thing you guys are talking about with the Wind Temple, and mm-hmm. it's just it's so interesting, and the fact that it's again just there and part of the world is so cool. Um, that's not my moment because I don't want everyone to be a dungeon moment, but uh, <laughs> mine. Th- this is technically not new to this one, but you know. In Breath of the Wild, you would climb the tower and get the map, and it, you know the towers were a good way to like quickly get around and glide places. But I like them in this one because because the world is so vertical now. Um, every time I go up one of those towers and just see, it used because the idea used to be in the first game was like, okay, well I want to get somewhere high just so I have the distance to like go over there, go over there. Well now it's like, 
well, how can I get up there and get a little bit higher? And I don't know, just the idea of figuring out how to get places and seeing how much more there is to explore. I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I'm, I'm really big on exploration in games. I just like going and seeing things. So um, just every time I get to a new area and see how many more things there are to go, go explore, it's just really special. For me, mine actually has to do with the tower as well. And I'm 100% certain that this is scripted. Um, in fact, I know it's scripted because I ended up face planting at the end of it dying and then it happened again. Um, <laughs> I was, it's, I think it's the Gerudo Highlands Skyview Tower. Uh, you fire yourself out of that and you, you know, it's the exact same thing and you start, you know, you're, you're falling down and you're, and uh, there was a shooting star like happens in this game. You know, there's shooting stars in the distance that you see and then you can run towards them. And if you get to them by the more before the morning, uh, you usually get a, a very, uh, a very, uh, useful piece of material and i did the highland tower and it fired me out and then i started coming down and then a shooting star started falling right beside me and i was racing the shooting star down to the ground and i caught the shooting star as i was falling like in midair and it was clearly a scripted moment but it also made me go that is just pure magic i don't think that's a scripted moment that's a game feature lots of people you can catch them okay yeah, it, but it was just so magical. It was just like amazing. Uh, it was such a cool moment. I loved it. It, was just, it. it solidified for me. I just think this game is, I think this game is something special. I think Breath of the Wild was something special. And I think that as a foundation for this game, it will be remembered as something special. But Tears of the Kingdom, we'll see where Zelda goes from here. I think you're right. I think everyone's right. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a third in the trilogy. I would not be surprised at all. Um but I guess we'll see. Uh, anyway, thank you all so much for taking time out of your evening and taking time away from playing Tears of the Kingdom uh, to chat about it because I've been looking forward to this for a, a week now, just you know, talking to people and seeing what their experiences were and see, if, see uh, how they paralleled my own and learning things about it. Like the idea of the, the elevators is just mind-blowing to me. I didn't even think about that. But of course, it's so obvious now that you said it uh, that you could use recall as like an elevator. That's amazing. So I'm excited to see what other discoveries that I make while playing tears of the kingdom. Uh, and just, just a pure delight of a video game. I think. Yep. I'm with you. Uh, does anyone have any final thoughts before we wrap it up? Uh, how, how can you, how can you, pick? yeah, we're not even close to final <laughs> thoughts. What am I saying? No. Because we're at like, no, like I mean, I just, there's 10 to 15% of the game. I know. Like there's so many things actually the, the, the one thing, one thing I thought about, because well, one thing of many, um, hmm. like I just I like how how much they've built upon Breath of the Wild. Like the towers, we didn't talk about the towers too much because you know that they technically serve the same function as Breath of the Wild. But all the ones I've come across so far, every one of them has been there's some trick to them. Like yeah. you don't just walk up to them like, okay, well I found a tower, so now I'm going to climb it. Like, well, this one's broken, or I have to go. There's f- an environmental puzzle. Yeah, like just. Even just doing that much make, makes each one different. So it's not literally just going to hitting each tower and it's the same experience. Uh-huh. So um, just they applied that across the game and it's just so fascinating. Well, again, thank you for joining me tonight and thank you for listening to this, everyone. Uh, if you're looking for a way to support all of us here at RPG Fan, you can check out our store at www.rpgfan.com slash shop. Uh, we have lots of things in there including our 25th anniversary merchandise. So please give that a check. 
Uh, if you want to support us here at Random Encounter, you can do so by listening to our past episodes. If you'd like to hear Mike and I's first impressions of Tears of the Kingdom, uh, check out last Monday's episode. Uh, like I said, this is an emergency episode of Random, so I'm very glad that you've tuned in. Uh, we have two other podcasts here at RPG Fan. We have Retro Encounter. Last week was part one. Last, last week, uh, I keep forgetting that this is on, we're releasing this on Saturday. On Thursday, part one of our Lost Odyssey podcast uh, duo got released. And part two will be coming out uh, next week or the week after. I guess it depends on what the schedule is looking like now. Um, we also have Rhythm Encounter, which is RPG Fan's music podcast. Uh, again, nothing's changed since last Monday because I kind of stole Rhythm's uh slot last monday thank you again mike uh so on two days from now on monday we're going to be releasing character themes uh the character theme episode which i should probably start editing like tonight uh if i want to get it done in time um if you'd like to get in contact with us here at a random encounter you can fire us off a message at podcast at rpgfan.com i would absolutely love to hear from you uh if you have any thoughts about uh, tears of the kingdom that we missed or uh, discussion questions about tears of the kingdom because uh, i'm going to be playing this probably for the next two episodes of random encounter so if i discover anything really cool you'll probably hear about it um if you'd like to send me an email you can do so at jlogan rpgfan.com or you can find me on mastodon at john o logan at mastodon.social uh mike where can we find you online oh sorry i'm exploring a temple um <laughs> uh, mike at rpgfan.com cool is he uh you can't find me anywhere online but except for rpg fan really so you know get in touch with someone else here if you need to say something toss something my way or whatever like that Jono, mike anyone else on this podcast <laughs> let's just say contact des if you want something sent to izzy des where can we contact you for feedback for izzy yes direct all of your hate mail to for izzy towards me uh through <laughs> You can find me uh, just on our RPG fan discord. Um, I'm just right there. I think my name's like yellow or something for like a moderator, even though I don't really moderate very much. No, cool. staff. Okay. No staff. responsibility for me. Nope. Um, uh, please don't send me any hate mail about my breath of the wild stuff. I think it's fine now. It's we're, we're good. <laughs> Tears of the kingdom is good. Yes. Much like getting an item in a dungeon, uh, Tears of the kingdom has recontextualized breath of the wild for death. Yes. It's unlocked it now that now desk can continue through the dungeon. Uh, and Josh, where can we find you online? I'm kind of the opposite. I'm, I'm kind of all over. I'm Watcher Joshua on most things, mostly Twitter, uh, Instagram, Mastodon. Wherever I can talk about Zelda, you'll find me. Cool. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends to help us get the word out there. Uh, I think this is a pretty good episode to share, actually, because it's about a game that is amazing and the current hotness. Uh, don't forget to rate us on iTunes or your other podcast player of choice. Again, thank you, everyone on this podcast for taking your evening, your this, this evening and, you know, spending it with me talking about this amazing game. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. It's distracting me from the death of my switch. Oh, God, that's heartbreaking. It makes me so sad. Um well, to everyone out there, I hope that your switches are working and whatever you're playing, have fun.